Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on your source for cool jazz and more. WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Now we're dipping back into our archives this morning to hear a conversation I did with world-renowned filmmaker, Baltimore filmmaker as well, John Waters, about his book, Director's Cut. This conversation was recorded in 1998. You can see John Waters tomorrow, though, where he'll be signing his latest book, Make Trouble, at the Barnes & Noble Johns Hopkins University Bookstore at 3300 St. Paul Street, taking place at 7 p.m. My guest this hour is a man whose name you might know, you might not know. His name is John Waters, uh, who has put Baltimore on the map and himself on the map as one of America's great filmmakers, and uh, he is here with us this hour. I'm sitting here with his new book, Director's Cut, and one of his old books that actually belongs to Lisa Morgan called Shock Value. You know, I, I, was, I was kind of reading some of this stuff in the past and realizing that how long ago it's been since I saw the first kind yeah. of movies you did, and they didn't you used to show them at the first Emanuel Lutheran Church? Yes. That's yeah, where they were. Yeah. Well, the, the first one was, well, there were different churches. We had the church circuit before. First, I was in Beatnik Coffee House. That's right, right. the Boar's Head. <laughs> and that was 1964, so it was 33 years ago I showed my first 18 movie. 18 years old, making your first movies. Yeah. I might have been, I think I was younger than 18 then. Um, 60, uh, born in 46, and that was 64. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. <laughs> it's just close. Yeah, it's yeah, close. It's yeah, close. Yeah, 18, right. That is, but it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, when you... Because in, in that period in Baltimore, to have you, I mean, you were just uh, in or out of Calvert School and Calvert High School. and uh, um, Well, Calvert Grade School and Calvert Hall High School, they're very different. They're very... And I went to both. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyable experiences. <laughs> Calvert was. Calvert School is where I learned to read and write, and I still use that knowledge every day. And they had great plays they put on every month. So um, it's probably the only school I ever learned any real thing in. Now, of course, in junior high, I learned about juvenile delinquents and bad hairdos. <laughs> and in Catholic school, I learned about guilt and repression. So I, I got <laughs> something out of every school, just not always education. So was it the guilt and repression or the juvenile delinquency or the reading that got you into filmmaking? It was a combination of all three. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Trinity. <laughs> because, I mean, when did you really start, when did you first really pick up a camera and think about doing this? Well, before that, I was a puppeteer for kids' birthday parties. So I had a show business career, actually a fairly successful one. I got $25 a show in the late 50s. That was a lot of money for really? a 12-year-old. And I had about three and four puppet shows a week. I'd go through my parents' address books and send out ads, book it today, <laughs> sold out, because I read Variety when I was very young. So um, I always sort of knew I was going to be in show business, which is good, because otherwise I might have been in prison. I had a good outlet for all my antisocial behavior. It's dangerous thing to do, but I'm taking a gulp of water there. Now, when, um, I guess your parents, though, never kind of, uh, they must not have realized what was going on. Well, they were very supportive. I mean, they um, they took me to the puppet shows. Uh, they took me to be on the Howdy Doody show in New York. The when, Howdy Doody yeah. show, right. And Buffalo Bob was mean to me. And he was mean to you, yeah, Buffalo Bob? What did he yeah. do? He just was, shut up, you don't get your Milky Way. <laughs> uh, but they also, I used to be obsessed by junkyards, and my parents would take me to junkyards to look at it. Uh, my father lent me the money to make Pink Flamingos. But they're still horrified. I mean, they saw my new book, and my mother complained about one of the obscene pieces in it. So it never ends with your parents. Too many Believe naked me. butts in You the can movie. be 51 <laughs> years old and they still <laughs> right, right. can try to make you feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> My father, God bless him, he just called the last show. I love him. He just said, uh, he always says to me, uh, one of the first things he always says to me is, well, Mark, what have you accomplished today? They're still, I'm 51, it's still yeah. any... <laughs> well, I know my friend of uh, Pat Moran's, uh, good, very good friend of mine, her um, father-in-law once said, I came back from the Cannes Film Festival, and he said, completely seriously, it's a very Baltimore attitude, he said, did that John get a real job yet? 
Because <laughs> they don't think, you know, show business isn't real. You don't get a paycheck every Friday. You right, don't, uh... right. Have you gotten a real job yet? No. I only had one <laughs> real job. Well, yeah, in my life I worked at Doubleday Bookshop in Baltimore. Uh-huh. And I worked at the Provincetown Bookshop. I only worked in bookshops. That was my only real jobs ever. And I could do that again, actually. Um, if I you like could never make another film bookshops. again, you could yeah, do that. Yeah, so Why not? Your parents, I did read that. Your, parents, your father gave you 12 grand to do Pink mm-hmm. Flamingos. I think it was 10. I had to ask him for two more to finish. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I mean, did he have any idea what the film was about? No, he's doing? never to this day seen He hasn't seen it He's yet. not allowed to now. He's, I mean, not... he's 80 years old. Why should I make my father watch that movie? <laughs> uh, it's not a movie anyone's parents would like. I mean, your own, at least, or if you're in it. Now, today, when I go to these signings and stuff, people sign all the time and say, my parents showed it to me for the first time, or this is from my father, and I think, God, times have changed. <laughs> That's one thing that is very different. But people are still shocked by that movie yeah it's still rude it's ruder maybe because of political correctness and stuff um, right. it is not mellowed in that can it is as obscene as ever it is still banned in england it is censored in really? england it is still banned in switzerland it is still censored in australia um it is censored all over the world it did not happen it did very well when it came out on video here As a matter of fact for three weeks it was the number two best-selling video in the country number one was jerry Maguire, and number two was pink flamingo <laughs> is that right who would ever imagine who would that thought, shocked me who would have thought that because because um, I don't know. Things have obviously changed very, very much. I mean, it must also shock you that you, from being the kind of kind of underground freak filmmaker of the '60s, and all of a sudden you're making films with relatively large budgets. Yeah, relatively. that's been so gradual over the years. I mean, nothing happened overnight. Right. I mean, it isn't so strange to me. I don't want to go make a movie that costs twelve thousand dollars now. I mean, I have nostalgia for it. <laughs> I've I done look, that already. I look. Yeah, I look. You can't have faux rage. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> Can we take a couple calls here? We'll come back sure. to John in your car. You're on the air. Oh, hi there. Hi, John. Um, I was just curious. I've lived in Baltimore for 17 years, and uh, this is where I first learned about John Waters. But what do you think of the way Baltimore has developed into a kind of a TV and uh, movie sort of place, especially with it? With, like, Homicide. Right. So prominent around here. Well, I think Homicide's a really good show. It's the only show that I've watched every week and about since The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's wonderful. I think L.A. is finally realizing that they don't have to bring all their crew from L.A., that we have all the professionals in Baltimore to do every single job and movie without bringing people in. So um, I think that has radically, radically changed. It's gotten to the point where I almost can't afford to make movies here because all the (laughs) movies that come here now cost, like, $100 million and stuff. (laughs) When I was making my last film, the budget was 6.5. There was another movie in town that was 100 million. You know, but we everybody worked along fine. It it didn't feel like we were in competition. (laughs) I guess maybe we had different kind of plots. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. The homicide, though, I I really enjoy the writing on homicide. Me too. I think think it's good. And I, I, you know, think about it. How great our city of Baltimore. It's known for like. 350 pound drag queens who eat dog feces and murder. <laughs> I'm proud of that. I, I like that. And, too. and I think this, the the tra- Chamber of Commerce has always been wrong on how to sell Baltimore. To hell with with crabs, you know. I mean, let's sh- come to Baltimore and be appalled. And I, I think it would really work because it is the shock value capital of the world. You can drive around here, and people always say to me from out of town, "I see your films were documentaries. They aren't fiction." <laughs> say about Barry Levinson's take on Baltimore? Oh, I think Barry's Baltimore movies were my favorite movies yeah. he make, always, you know. Um, yeah. Barry does the same thing. Barry doesn't make movie about Harbor Place. Barry makes movies about eccentric kind of Baltimoreans, too. They may be different than the kind I make about, but it's also fringe people and outsiders. He does. I mean, neither one of us make movies about regular right. people. It struck me in Avalon when they had that scene with the people sleeping out in Druid Park. 
Boot Hill Park, and you know I don't know anything about that, but I had some friends, and they told me when they were kids, they remembered doing that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I thought Avalon was a wonderful movie. Patterson Park. You know? Yeah, it was exactly what it was. Boot Hill Park, people do that. Yeah, <laughs> right. now they switch the oil in their cars, but it used to be they <laughs> sleep there. It's still a community thing they do, though. It's still a place to go. <laughs> John, thanks for your call. Thank you. Take care. It. it um, Baltimore is a place, you know, we've talked about this in the air before when Rafael Alvarez and others have been on, about uh, Baltimore is a very freaky town. Yes, it and is it's a, a city of, ex, of extremes. It is. A lot yeah. of eccentrics. Maybe yeah. Do you think it's just because we're a smaller town, they stand out, or do we really just have, like... The difference about Baltimore is a lot of people don't leave. Or if they do, they come back, and they move, they move a street away from their parents. Uh-huh. No other city do you meet people where everyone that grew up here yeah. stays here. I came back. It's nowhere else. Do you see that? So I, find, I think that's eccentric. I think, sadly, both the black and the white middle class has left Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So it's rich people and poor people, which makes for good bars, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it makes for trouble in, in other in areas. Right. Yes, <laughs> getting to your car. <laughs> Well, I I think the difference is, one thing about Baltimore, if there's a good bar, it lasts for 25 years. If there's a place where hookers go, they always go there. It doesn't switch ever. That's what I like. It's one-stop shopping, no matter how old you are, what you're into. Bars, anything. If there's a good bar, and it's good, or a restaurant, it stays good for 25 years. It's not trendy, this town. I find that very refreshing. They aren't impressed. I love, there's no gossip columns here. Movie stars love to make movies here. They can be dead drunk on the street. It's never in the paper. (laughs) Good for all of us. That's a good thing. Yeah. Thing. That's a yeah. great thing. I mean, look, Ledbetter's is a place where you used to hang out. I used to go. Years, now, that years, became like a football right. bar later. Well, certainly, right. I promise you not when we were in there. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. But when Vincent Perenio really is, I think, discovered Fells Point. He's the who does all the production design for all my movies and Homicide. He was the right. first person that ever took me there. And when I first went there, it was empty. It was the rents were like $30. And it was Merchant Marines, um, Rats, right. and Sailors. What was and, the name um, of the bar I, in the corner then? Bertha's, there was, but the, Ledbetter's the was one. Cup is now? That was, was Ledbetter's. That was, uh, well, yeah, I think it was. And But we used to go to Pete's Hotel. That's where Edith right. worked. That's and right. that was kind of like a flop house. Drinks were 25 cents, I remember. And Edith was the barmaid there. Edith Massey was one of the most beautiful human beings alive. Yes, she was a I great Baltimorean. Yes. She was wonderful. I mean, I, I never knew Divine, who's in yeah. your movies. I never met him. Well, Divine but, grew up, you know, in Lutherville, went right. to Towson High. I mean, he grew up in my generation. Edith, certainly before she worked at Pete's Hotel, had worked on the block in the different bars and was a B-girl. Just sort of um, talking, pe- mothering people. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> she was a doll. I loved her. It was such a sad day when she, yeah. she I just really loved her a lot. But Divine, now, did, you, did you know Divine growing up? Did you? I met Divine when I was about 16. So you went to high school together? You nope. He went to Towson High. I went to Calvin Hall. He um, was very unlike what you would imagine in high school. He got beat up every day. The police had to take him home. He was um, very shy, very quiet, but he used that rage later. <laughs> and I brought it out in him <laughs> to become divine, uh, which was the opposite of what he was like. He was not flamboyant in school. He was not, but he did get very, very hassled. I think his high school years were terrible. I think that's why I shot the scene in Serial Mom where she uh, runs over the teacher at Towson <laughs> High, kind of to pay back how mean they were to divine because the teachers were very, very mean to him, too. Not just the students. Well, because people who are a little odd and different. We were talking about that on the air. I mean, people who didn't make it through high school, who yeah. got picked on a great deal. They didn't pick on me in high school. They thought I was nuts, you know. And I had such contempt for authority that mm-hmm. I could resist being beat up. <laughs> because the people that would beat me up knew at least I wasn't a goody-goody. Right. <laughs> you know, I think Divine tried to be. Uh, he he didn't know what in. to be. Well, he couldn't, you know. And um, but, but he had anger about it. I know certainly later we would be at, like, book signs and stuff, and people 
would sign, ask for his autograph, and he said, that person used to hassle me in high school. And he couldn't really laugh about it. It kind of still mm-hmm. just took his Correct. breath away. Well, I guess it's some revenge, but it doesn't work. It doesn't make things better. Right. You just remember him like, you jerk. You're still a jerk. <laughs> I hope he misspelled his name when he gave the autograph. <laughs> and John in Baltimore. So run on John's today. John in Baltimore, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, uh, John. Uh, would you talk a little bit about the Diane Linkletter story and those kind of movies and... Those we kind of so- movies. I don't know if there was. There was one called <laughs> Trisha's Wedding. I didn't make that was uh, about Trisha Nixon's <coughs> wedding, and it was uh, transvestites called the Coquettes, and they reenacted her wedding, and it opened the same day as her real wedding. That is the I only thing that. I could ever say that was like <laughs> Diane Linkletter's story. Diane Linkletter's story wasn't a real movie. We had to test a camera that day. The unfortunate news was in the paper that TV to- host Art Linkletter's hippie daughter had jumped out the window on LSD and died. So in a questionable taste, we shot that scene and filmed it and had it in uh, showing the next day before the funeral. It was the rudest thing I've ever done, you know. But Art Linkletter later put out a record called We Love You, Come Back, Call, Collect that I thought was beyond my bad taste. Thank you. Thank you. But you've kind of made rude into a wonderful art form. Well, I have made what? A rudeness? Well, certainly, yes, I have. It's been part of it. Um, I think that that's been part of my career, but making you laugh with me about rudeness, not just shock. I mean, that's one of the things that I think that that your work says in some in some ways is the, is to be able to laugh at yourself because sometimes I think you are laughing at yourself. Certainly I am. And you have to be able to laugh at yourself first before you can make fun of anything else <laughs> or it doesn't work. <laughs> Self-deprecation is not yes. a bad thing. Yes. Gail in Baltimore, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, Hi, Gail. This is Gail Economos. I'm the Hi, vice Gail. president of Women in Film and Video of Maryland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know you're on our board. I our am. advisory board. But I'm calling because two of our longtime WIF members have uh, submitted a documentary to Sundance. I'm sure John knows this, but I want your listeners to know it. That is about the, and that's uh, Steve Yeager and Cindy Miller, and it's about John's early career. It's called Divine Trash, and it will be one of 16 documentaries shown next week at Sundance. That is true, and I have seen it. Oh, have you seen it already? Yeah, yeah. it's like being dead. Right. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, Steve Yeager was at MPT and shot, and John knows this, five hours of footage of him shooting. Flamingos. Yeah. So um, there is the you day. Your long hair and- yes, it's it's the day of me telling Divine how to do it, and I hadn't <laughs> seen that footage for twenty five ever until twenty five years later, and I told Steve his laziness paid off <laughs> because if he had done anything with that footage then, it would have been fairly worthless. Well, and, but twenty five years yes. later, it's when no one's seen it, it's a very very different thing. Exactly. He and Cindy, I know, said, "Well, you know, it's the twenty fifth anniversary. It's now or never." Yeah. But you know, they'll be up against. Um, uh, Oscar-winning documentarians, and well, uh, they have a great write-up, and let's root for them. Yeah, they're up against another movie about the making of Woody Allen's movie. So. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, cool. Well, anyway, it's wonderful talking to you. We're really proud of you, and I was glad that you said about employing a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, they're all here. You don't have to bring them in. That's right. Yeah, and you really do Save that. your well, per diem. Save <laughs> your airfare. Yeah, you know, when we honored Pat Moran in October... Uh, she asked how many people had been in one of your films. Right. And, you know, half the room stood up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been doing it for a long time. Right. And Pat Moran's been with you for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was my, my best friend for mm, since 30 years or more. And she's just, uh, now she clearly is a major figure on Homicide and Casting. Yeah, a second Emmy nomination. I know, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's just, those are the kind of things that, that make you feel good. All the folks that have been in this stuff for a long yeah. time, you see things like that happen. People like Pat Moran, it's it's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Rick in Mount Vernon, you're on the air. 
Hi. Hi, Rick. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, I just wanted to make a comment um, about what you were talking about before. Um, I moved here from Seattle, actually, and I grew up in New Jersey, and you were talking about how, um, how untrendy this city is. And um, because from watching your films is what brought me to Baltimore. Because um, just, just seeing how completely, after living in such a, you know, the, the hippest city in the country right now, seeing how unhip the city was, I, I actually think it's, it's perpetually hip because of that. I do, too. I oh, mean, I yeah. think it's hip because it doesn't try or care about hip. <clears throat> but I think some of the coolest bars, my favorite bars are still here. So, I mean, uh, because they're so mixed and they're so, they're, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be in the columns the next day. Right. People aren't there for that reason. They're there to have a real good time and not a uh, good time that's going to be noticed. And in Baltimore, you're on the air. Oh, dear. I have a very embarrassing question uh, to ask. Uh, oh. All right. Embarrassing to you or me? <laughs> well, it's not well, of me. I hope it's for John, to right? Me. <laughs> oh, to, to you. Okay. Dead. Because I moved here like six and a half years ago from San Diego. Mm-hmm. Didn't know where I was coming other than this place outside D.C. And I have never even seen a John Waters movie. Never even heard of you, really. Well, many people haven't. You can go rent <laughs> one. I would start with Hairspray or Serial Mom. Okay, that's and what I your way back. Or, if I really want to ruin your weekend, start with multiple maniacs. (laughs) Is that on video? It has been. You can find it. Okay, so hairspray, cereal mom, and multiple... Multiple maniacs. Multiple maniacs. In that order. Okay, will do. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. (laughs) See, that's the point of radio promotion, isn't it? (laughs) My day has not been wasted. (laughs) A whole new fan. (laughs) Another 50 cents in another video. You don't get money from video rentals. (laughs) <laughs> you said multiple maniacs. I was thinking about that at the first Emanuel Church that that was shown way back in sixty. That was at the Unitarian Church. Unitarian the first church. the Emanuel Church had the premiere of Roman Candles, Eat Your Makeup, and Mondo Trasho. Okay. And the Unitarian Church had had multiple maniacs, and the University of Baltimore had Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, and Desperate Living. Unbelievable! God, that's so the, those were our Radio City musicals, <laughs> right? But that was in, that was such a time, though. We did the churches because we figured we wouldn't be busted by the censor board, and we weren't. Even the censor lady didn't have the nerve to bust a church. Mary Vera didn't come falling, running down. Well, she the didn't church. know about it. That's all. She would have tried to. <laughs> <laughs> but she did. I, didn't, I thought she did censor parts of people. Oh, always. Oh, certainly she did. She was my best press agent. Every time she she squawked around, that was fifty cents in my pocket. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she was. I didn't need a press agent. I had her. The funny thing was, you know, one of the things growing up in this town, Mary Vera. And the whole censor board in Maryland was such a presence. Well, it was the only one in the country. I know. It was you know? amazing yeah. that we grew up with that. Well, to me, it wasn't so amazing because basically she went on national television and everybody, I think, laughed at her. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it made Baltimore look like Hicktown, USA, basically. Um, I would have to go there and she would hand me the scissors and cut out something of a brand new film that Literally? I put every penny. Yeah, in front of me. <laughs> and she said to me, you can't have that vagina. And I said, well, that's a man. <laughs> So I had those kind of really <laughs> brilliant cinematic discussions with her. Yes. So this, I, so she was a kind of a, like a, a mentor in a sense. No, I would not <laughs> call her that. <laughs> she's in that documentary, though. Is she? Oh yes, she certainly is, and she's great because she says all you know how hideous I am. You know, she really performed once again. <laughs> there was a thing that I read. I think it was in Shock Value that you said the multiple maniacs was like flushing out of Catholicism for you, those early movies? I thought that until I have some more Catholic stuff in my new movie, Pecker. It worked its way back in. (laughs) You know, if you were raised Catholic, you never get rid of it. Or no matter if you become the most devout Catholic or the most sacrilegious lunatic, either way, it still affects (laughs) you. Um, I certainly am not 
sorry I was brought up Catholic because um, guilt adds so much to show business. <laughs> it develops your sense of humor. Well, when you think of the place that both Catholics and Jews and others have in this country and the guilt that it's rides the on the... Jews have shame. Catholics okay. have guilt. It's close. It's, it's very, very close. close. It is close. Yeah, it is yeah. close. It is close. Michael in Baltimore, you're on the air. I just wanted to ask John about the uh, movie. Um, it was called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Documentary going over. Uh, Did you make that movie? No, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> I, I um, only I, seen parts of it. I saw the movie. TV. It's a very good movie, and it was filmed by a guy from who lives in Washington, and it was interviewing all people in a parking lot um, before they went into a heavy metal concert. And it's really shocking. The people are out of their mind. And it became a huge cult film. That film still makes the rounds on video forever and ever and ever. It's, a, it's a wonderful movie. Very, very funny. Yeah, I guess I've seen parts of it on Atomic TV, and, and when I saw that you said it creeped you out, I was like, well, that's got to be something. Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> something does creep me out. You mean in Atomic Books, their thing? Have you yeah. been to Atomic Books? It's a really good bookstore. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's good. Cool. Uh, have actually been also watching the cable access stuff, too. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I know I know he does that. Yeah, so. Okay, I just wanted to talk about that. All right. Okay. All right, Take bye-bye. care. I, the other night I was watching television, you were on Nightline. Yeah, Sonny Bono. Ted Koppel and Ted I. Koppel. Yes. I <laughs> my new state, my new statesman role. Hanging right. out with Ted now. Yeah. And <laughs> it was fun. I think it went it, well. You looked like you yeah. enjoyed yourself yeah, on the show. Yeah, it was fun. Now, t- let me talk a bit about that because you talked about Sonny Bono. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, Robert Ehrlich, the Republican congressman, called in, in the other day and we were talking about Sonny Bono in the air. But his relationship with Sonny Bono was a little different than your yeah, relationship. Yeah, Sonny's Bono. politics I wasn't for. And it's a right. shame because I always wanted to go into a voting booth. And as I said on Twitter, pull the Bono lever. You know, <laughs> uh, I certainly, his gay rights politics, I was totally against. I was very curious because yeah, his daughter, he... Chastity, right. is head of GLAAD, you know, and he was very proud of her work. He told me that. Who knows? I think he just had to say anything to be a Republican. I don't know. Um, his heart certainly wasn't in it. I used to see him sitting there eating lunch with Divine every day and Divine had a big dress on and he didn't seem to be one bit uptight so uh, I, he certainly was not a homophobic man Man, I had uh, lunch with him this year he invited me over and Barney Frank was the other person with his wife that we he had dinner that, with right. so uh, I, I don't know what he was on that he also was very uh, against flag burning which does not seem a big issue in 1998 to me of all the Republican <laughs> things you can pick up you know I don't know it seems like wouldn't it, people if you burned a flag people would laugh now be like so stupid and old fashioned I don't know that any Anyone, even I thought only right-wing people burn flags. Now. <laughs> Hasn't terrorists become right, they so, dress so much badly? Or t- left-wing terrorists look better. We, we we had more fun. Well, now it's right-wing terrorists. And they just all wear camouflage. They all look the same. <laughs> yeah, there was. I mean, I think the freaks of the sixties at least had this kind of. There was a flamboyance. It was a little bit different, and it was colorful. And well, the right-wing terrorists did. W- Certainly, more bigger terrorism than we ever did. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Mike in Baltimore, you're on the air. Uh, hi. Hi, uh, Mike. Two things. One time I was in the uh, line in the giant behind uh, John Waters, and the woman in front of you uh, turned around and said, Who are you? I know you. You're someone. Who are you? And deadpan, you said, I'm Don Knotts. (laughs) I I probably did say that, yeah. That was a lot of fun. But my question for you, well, based on what you were saying about You can never tell when you go out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that happens to me in Baltimore only recently, and it really, the first time, startled me and makes me laugh, is I'm walking down the street and I hear, Hey, Barry! (laughs) Barry! And they're not kidding. You know, they think all directors look alike. That's right, that's right. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, based on what you were saying about how you liked Homicide, was did you ever consider directing an episode? And, and if you had directed an episode, what 
What would you have done with it? Well, you know, I they've they've asked me to direct one, and I love the show so much. But I have never, I wouldn't know how to direct someone else's words. I've never ever directed anything that I haven't written, uh-huh. and I've always said I wouldn't. So I'm going to stay with that because um, I have to direct my own obsessions. And if I didn't think it up, then to me, I don't know how to direct what's something that someone else thought up. Um, I don't think homin- homicide really needs my direction. I think the the way the show looks is um, really good, really original, and I think the writing on it is so very good. Um, I couldn't write a homicide. If I did, it would have to be the last one. <laughs> because, I, you know, I, 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 I... But I'm, I'm really a big fan of the writing of the show, and um, I, I think it's really original television, and I'm not saying that just because um, it's here. Um, there were plenty of other shows that were here that I hated. <laughs> I mean, uh, Good. Right, well, when's that that and the Collegians are my two favorite the shows that ever come on in Baltimore. The Collegians, yes, which yeah. was very early 50s television. I remember was, the Collegians. Yeah, really shocking in a different way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and when will Pecker come out? Pecker is finished. I don't know when it's going to come out. It'll be ready by spring or summer. But, you know, with distribution, you don't know if they decide it was going to come out in the summer right. or the fall or whenever. It'll be a Christmas movie. I doubt it'll be a Christmas <laughs> movie because it's a little movie. It's, it's, it's a funny little movie. I think it's the exact opposite of Titanic. You know? <laughs> and I like Titanic, too. Do you see different. Titanic? Have you seen of course, it? I see every movie. Not every movie. I mean, I didn't see. Well, I wonder, but mostly I see a lot of movies. Did you like yeah. Titanic? Yes, I certainly did. I sure, see, I, I, I think it's um, for once a big budget special effects movie where the the storyline works. That's rare. Mm-hmm. And it's a, almost a three, three and a half hour movie. Yeah, that's okay as long as it works. I mean, all movies are too long to me. I think they should all be seventy minutes. <laughs> I agree. Actually, <laughs> did you see the last? I think it was the last homicide last Friday night. Yes, when he's maybe has a gay relationship. And Bayless yeah, is kind yeah, of exploring yeah, his yeah. sexuality. Yeah, I thought it was very good. And yeah. what television show would have never been able to do that even five years ago? It's amazing. Things have changed so much. I mean, like you know, I'm I'm pushing it a little to my book here to take the director's no, we cut. About I know. Book. I'm sorry, but, man. But what I'm saying about that is that book, which is I did signings at Borders. I'm doing one tonight. At, right, we're going to talk know, about at Bibolo, that. But it's when I did the signing mm-hmm. last time. It was so many mothers buying it for their kids in school. And there's one thing in this book that 20 years ago would have been seized by the police. You know what I mean? And how times have changed. You know, that what used to be something that you could never, ever do is now people's parents are buying it for them at college. In Towson, where I fled, (laughs) where I was practically run out with torches, you know, to be back. And I remember the first time when polyester (laughs) played at the Towson Theater and it had on the marquee. Towson's own. I thought, wow, you sure didn't used to want to call me that. That is, uh, that's a, I was choked when I saw it. Towson's own. The next thing you'll be an honorary citizen. Well, I mean, that's fine. It's just more irony. It's fine. You know, it's funny to me, though. It's how things have so, so radically yeah. changed. No, I do want to, we have, I'm sorry, apologies we haven't talked about the No, that's why I just wanted to, I, but, I thought of it because we were talking about how things yeah. are different. And, and I, it, it, with um, the bailiff thing, what it made me think of watching it on uh, Friday night was a couple weeks before I was watching Ellen. And it was one of the episodes when she was sitting on a couch with uh, the woman who was her lover at the moment. Yeah. And they were holding and they actually kind of kissed and they touched. And I was saying that I can see this sending shockwaves to people all over the country watching two women being sexual on the couch. I said, but what really will really? hit America is yeah. if it's two men. No. But now to have Bayless explore this, this is No, that's, that's this radical. Is this and is that, radical. Yeah, that is radical. To me, I'm all for Ellen. I'm all for the show. But that is not radical to me. Right. I think what Homicide did is. I absolutely do. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how they're going to, yeah. where they're going to go with this. It, um, and the Zodiac, he's supposed to be the owner of the Zodiac? Yeah. Which is, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Francis in Baltimore, you're on the air. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, Francis. Um, I wanted two things. Um, one, I own all of your movies, and Thank about you. twice a year, we have 
John Waters Film Fest at home in bed. And uh, we serve Spam and Twinkies, and we have a little tacky. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's nice. Really spam nice. has a new part in my new movie. Actually, it's good that you brought oh, really? that up. Are you spam is featured in Pecker. Yes. <laughs> well, what I wanted to ask you: Do you have a fan club? Um, I'd like to get in touch with you, or you um, can always write me. I think Care of Atomic Books is is the best way for me to get okay. mail. Um, I don't have a fan club, and I, I, you know, it's very sweet of you to think, but um, I, they make me nervous because they come to my house and they send me dog poop in the mail and stuff. Oh, I, you know, uh, but um, generally, the only thing that I've seen is the stuff on the websites and all. Where I read stuff that's totally not true about me. These pages dedicated to me that has pictures of me that isn't even me. <clears throat> you know, so I, I kind of don't have a fan club that's certainly official, no, mm-hmm. but um, I, I thank you for thinking of me. Well, I, I was in one of your movies as an extra. I dyed Edie's hair red for Desperate Living. Which was movie were you an extra in? A Desperate Living. And what did you play? Just one of those town people in Martinsville. I see. It was, it was great. <laughs> All right. Just that like, was worse. Then we didn't have any food or anything. Man. Well, you I mean, did have fried chicken, but did it was we? really I'm surprised. cold. It used to be in the it old movies. It was cold. Yeah. <laughs> well, cold fried chicken is good, actually. It was worth it, yeah. you know. In the old days in the movies, you had to find something in the woods, cook it, and kill it, and cook it if you wanted lunch. Well, you keep up the good work, and uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for being so patient, being an extra with us. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, chickens were prominent in Pink Flamingo. They were, but we ate the chicken. That was socially redeeming. (laughs) As a matter of fact, Lisa Morgan's mother... I have to say, was in Nancy Cooper Morgan was um, in polyester. She was the leader of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Our own yeah. Lisa's and mom. That was, was everyone was heavy in that scene too. If you noticed, that's it was right. An AA meeting that everyone was an, also an ample person. <laughs> <laughs> you like putting ample move people in your well, movies. Well, I, I yes, and Pecker, there's a lot of them too. And I said, the, you know, we have to make a movie once with an all fat cast. <laughs> You know, I'm for that. Because it's realistic. Well, they're also changing your notion of fat. And well, you saw that it was the cover of U.S. News or Newsweek this week is the changing face of fat in America. Meaning what? That it's normal to be fat? It's normal. It's not always necessarily as unhealthy as you think it's, mm-hmm. it is. And all that I saw a political button on a feminist that I've never been able to forget. I didn't ever think of it this way. It said, how dare you presume I'd rather be thin? Which <laughs> <laughs> took my breath away. I love this. I love it. <laughs> You're listening to my 1998 interview with filmmaker John Waters. And you can see and meet John Waters tomorrow when he'll be signing his latest book, Make Trouble, at the Barnes & Noble Johns Hopkins Bookstore at 3300 St. Paul Street at 7 p.m. We've got to take a short break, but stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear the rest of this conversation and hear about what's ahead of us in this week's City Paper. Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here your source for cool jazz and more. And today, we're listening back to my 1998 conversation with filmmaker John Waters about a book he had just published then called Director's Cut. And you can meet and see John Waters tomorrow at the Barnes & Noble Johns Hopkins Bookstore where he'll be signing his latest book, Make Trouble. The address is 3300 St. Paul Street. It takes place at 7 p.m. And let's get back to our conversation from 1998, John Waters. My guest this hour is John Waters. He has a new book out called Director's Cut. He has a new movie he just finished called Pecker, Muriel, in Towson. You're on the air. Oh, hi, John. What a lovely surprise. Can I just say that even though there are Baltimoreans that may have not heard of you, in UK you're a great cult figure. Oh, thank you very much. England has always been a great country for me. It was the first place my film sort of ever caught on. Um, but, yeah. you know, Pink Flamingos is still, still um, censored yeah. there. Censored. Yeah. They show it, but it is still censored there. Yeah. Well, I have a, a young daughter of 26 who is a young filmmaker, and she has made eight trash movies. 
and you are her idol. And oh, that's nice. What's the title of one of them? Let's um, give her a plug. Oh, God, Paper Roses. That doesn't sound so trashy. No. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she really would like to send them to you because she thinks you'd get a great kick out of them. Well, so I'll tell you. I would have to get to you through Atomic Book. Yes, I, I have. I'll be honest, though. I get these videos, I get so many of them, they're and I give them to someone else to watch right. because I'd have to quit work if I looked at them all, you know? Right. But I'll, I'll be happy to have the person that, for me, that looks at them to look at them, certainly. But right. if she's, make sure she sends the right kind of video. You know, in England, they have the PAL right. kind, the other version. Oh. <laughs> it well, won't play think, on this I machine. I think your version. Okay. Oh, that's for nice. Her, How nice it child. is for your daughter to have a, a trash-supporting mother. That's yeah, right. Oh, no, it's very, sure. it's very, very, it's very good. important. It's why I'm not in prison. So, yeah. Oh, I'm with her all the way, and uh, she, she has just gone back from here. She was with here a week, and she was so disappointed to have to go back and not see you. Oh well, uh, but so, I, I go there some too. So she, you know, the book just is it came out everywhere in the world on the same day because it's like more a photo art book than you know. So, um, except in Japan where it's different, they censored it in Japan. Yes, there's a really? special Japanese version what that did they covers. Take out? Well, you know, the One Piece. They cover it with my monogram on each picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's going to be so jealous because it's me talking to you. What can I well, tell give her, her my about best. Pecker? Pardon? What can I tell her about Pecker? Well, Pecker's a comedy about a Hamden that takes place. It's maybe the whole movie ever completely shot in Hamden, about a kid that works in a sub shop in Hamden and takes pictures of his very peculiar family and um, with an <laughs> old like broken mine. down camera, yeah, he found in his mom's thrift shop. And um, he gets accidentally discovered by a New York art dealer and turned into a giant art star in New York and how it wrecks his happy life in Hamden. Right. Oh, well, go. we're great aficionados of thrift stores, too, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep looking. Thanks for talking to me, John. Thank you. Take good care, luck. Muriel. Bye. And uh, good luck with your daughter. I think it's great that you support your daughter's trash yeah, work. I think it's yeah, a wonderful, it's wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. Usually they used to be, 20 years ago, they try to put you in mental institutions if you said that. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. It is true. Especially if you grew up in the 50s and your yeah. mother was saying... Yeah. Well, now you they had shock treatment. <laughs> electric. Yeah. I've known some folks who've gotten those electric yeah, shock treatments. Yeah, I know. Certainly, they did that then. Like, <laughs> if you did this kind of thing, then it's, that's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, that, you've never done that in any of your movies, have you? Shock treatments? Have you? No. I mean, how could it? You know, that, like, did Elizabeth Taylor did that. And then suddenly last summer, where she gets shock <laughs> that's treatment. Right, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, how could you top that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had worse. I mean, I had people getting the electric chair. I've had people getting facelifts. I've that's had right. operations. I've had. Uh, but no, I don't think I ever had shock treatments because kids wouldn't know what that is now. They don't have them anymore. Actually, they're think. on the way back. Are they? They're on the way back. Uh-oh. Do they work? I mean, I, I guess only if you're like um, Bundy, maybe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> might try I, I, anything. I never but. understood that, why you would want to. It's like super Prozac all at once. But <laughs> <laughs> 12 billion hits of Prozac in Man one rush. second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the book, Director's Cut. I was—I didn't know what to expect when I got the book. I because I, actually, it just arrived the other day. Yeah. It's something that I've been doing for years, but but only in the art world. You know, it was never kind of crossed over. It's I take pictures of other people's movies right. off the screen and redirect them the way I think they should be in storyboards. <laughs> uh, there's one called Peyton Place, which all it is is the shots of the bad scenery in the background every time they couldn't show sex, and so I just took photographs of that. It's a shot that maybe is on the screen for one second, like a wave crashing, or if someone's frigid, they'd show ice. 
Peace. And, you know, so I just took pictures of that. Some of the movies I don't know. Well, so you don't have to know the movies. I mean, one, there's one whole section that's just pictures of Elizabeth Taylor's right. feet. Do you know how hard it is to find pictures of her feet in a movie? Try to find, well, first of all, all shoe budgets get cut because of the ratio of film 185. <laughs> you spend all this money on shoes. You never see them, right? So I tried to just try to find her feet on a film. So just a close-up of her feet. It's really hard. I had to get special lenses to move in and stuff. Watch hundreds of movies to find pictures of her feet. That's what this book is. I love it. It is amazing. I've never heard of this movie, Inga. I never, I never Inga was a great movie. It was one of the first kind of um, sexploitation movies that was... Um, I remember the quote from it from Judith Christ in New York Magazine. The ad was like, so graphic, I could have sworn the screen was smoking. <laughs> and uh, I used it in Multiple Maniacs. There's a scene where they say, well, remember when we met, when we saw Inga together? So I wanted to go back and... Ref- no one remembers this movie. They remember, remember the title, but they don't remember what it is. So I just did a few seconds of it is all you need. You don't have to see the movie now. So all you have to <laughs> do is look at a few stills from it and relive it. Great Nick. Yeah, see? You don't have to watch the whole movie. <laughs> this movie was made what, in the early 60s? Inga was a Swedish movie. It was made, no, I would say, yeah, late 60s, late 60s, yeah. I just and think, that one, there's a one there, it's like every crucifixion scene from every movie. That this is one of my In the cross, it's called Movie Star Jesus. I even found a cartoon, see, at the end, then I knew the piece was finished. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, no. It was a children's movie where they had the cartoon version of the crucifixion, which I thought was debatable, <laughs> theologically. Is it, is it a Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah. I, yeah. I was just joking. Really it was in Saturday Spanish. <laughs> I love it. John Waters is with us. He has a book out called Director's Cut. He just finished wrapping up his last movie called Pecker, uh, which takes place in Hamden. David and Waverly are on the air. Oh, hi. Hi, hey. David. Um, I'm sorry I missed you on Nightline. I really would love to have seen that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it was the last minute, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, one great thing that I guess recently, ha- I saw it recently, was you on The Simpsons. Thank you. And, well, we uh, won the uh, Emmy that sh- that episode, you know. Really? No. Yeah. So it shows you how much I'm into it <laughs> here. But uh, it, it really made my day to, to uh, have you experience homophobia. Yeah, it was fun to be a cartoon character at last, really, you know. And it was fun doing the show. It was uh, like an old radio show. Uh, you know? How much were you involved in the creative process? None. I didn't write it at all. I said I had to read the script, certainly. And um, since I knew that the character was named John and was going to look like me, uh-huh. I said to him, if I look like Richard Simmons, I have your home address and you'll be dead. <laughs> that was all I was worried about. <laughs> but I think they did a very, very good job on the film. And I, was, I was quite proud of it, actually. It was fun to do. And I always wondered where Mortville really was. Well, it was Mortville, not oh, Mort. Oh, Mortville. And everybody I, I, always assumes it was French for death, but <laughs> it wasn't. It was about some place you had to live that were you were too mortified to live yep, anywhere okay. else but there. Like you had burned your last bridge in Baltimore. There was only one place left you could live, <laughs> Mortville. And that is what Desperate Living is about. Yeah, well I, well, I mean, I expect to see a uh, Mortville in, in Appalachia sometimes when I'm traveling. But, uh, well, you sort of do. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's neighborhoods in Baltimore I've seen yeah, that look yeah, right. sort of like Mortville. I mean, there, right. there is still, you know, really shocking, shockingly sad, very poverty neighborhoods in Baltimore that if, that you would never find unless you know where they are because they're so hidden from view. That is not so different from Mortville, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. I mean, I remember uh, running into places with pit toilets only, you know, Less than ten years ago. Well, there are. I I know where there are some homes with dirt floors still here in the city. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for your call. Okay, thanks. Bye. Take care, David. Bye bye. Um, the the movie Pecker. Oh, you just said it was going to come out to next year. Who's in the movie? Uh, Edward Furlong, who was the kid in Terminator Two. Okay. Christina Ricci, um, Lily Taylor, Martha Plimpton, Mary Kay Place, Brendan Sexton Jr. Um, 
so far. I don't think who else. There's more. Patty Hearst, Mink Stoll. Patty Hearst is that's. I oh heard. yeah, she's been in a lot of my movies. Yeah. Right. Well, how did you start the relationship with Patty Hearst? Well, uh, she didn't know it, but I was obsessed and went to her trial every day. But I didn't did you meet really? her then. Yeah. Oh, I went to her trial a lot, and then I, I even spent the night in the sleeping bag outside to get in. You know, people sent twenty four right. hours to get in. Um, and then I met her later at the Cannes Film Festival when she was there promoting a movie called Patty Hearst, directed by Paul Schrader. That's a pretty good, mm-hmm, very good movie. Mm-hmm. And I met her there. And um, and I told her, you know, this movie really sort of changed what I thought about your innocence and guilt and everything. And she said, well, thanks a lot. You know, that's a nice thing. <laughs> Past assault, right? But uh, then we became friends. And then she was in Hairspray. Her kids liked Hairspray. And... Um, and we became very good friends. And she was in Crybaby. She played Tracy Lord's mother. And um, in this, she plays a rich New York collector who throws caution to the wind and decides to really live it up when she comes to Baltimore. Okay, I can't wait for this one to come out. <laughs> and Kathleen Turner, mm-hmm. she must have been interesting to work with. She well, she's a big, I mean, she's big, I don't mean heavy. She's um, a movie star, right, you know? I mean, every star. molecule of every room is filled with her presence when she's in there. I loved her. I got along with her great. I think she did a wonderful job yeah, in the movie. Yeah, she was fantastic. What a great um, movie. Yeah, she's a real real thing, a real movie star and a great actress. I'm, I have nothing bad to say about Kathleen. I got along with her great. Was it difficult to get her to do a movie? Did she just love your work and want to do it? How did that... Um, well, I don't know that she loved Mondo Trasho. I, I think certainly, uh, but later she knew, and it it was it helped that she got three million dollars. But, <laughs> but other than that, um, I think she liked my work. Okay. Yes, of course she liked your work. Here's what she liked: the script. That's what uh, it was, right. you know. And it was a good part. I mean, it was the biggest. She was in every frame of the whole movie, and um, I th- I think it was mostly about the part. I'm not so sure. She certainly said she had seen the old movies, and all, but I don't think she always, since Multiple Maniacs, said, "I've got to make a <laughs> film with that guy." That was that movie. Yeah, that was my movie. Yeah. That was my yeah. movie. Do you have a? Oh, this is a dumb question, but you always get asked. It, I'm sure. Do you have a favorite movie of the ones you've done? No, because they're all like your kids. That's the old cliche. I think of the old ones, Female Trouble is my favorite. And of the later ones, I like Serial Mom very, very much. I love um, Hairspray Mom. is one for certainly, you know, if I drop dead tomorrow, they'll say Pink Flamingos and, and um, Hairspray will be in right. the first position of in my, in my obituary. <laughs> I like them all. You know, I usually like the one I haven't seen as most recently because I'm least sick of it. Uh-huh. I loved. I liked them all too. I mean, I liked Hairspray a lot, just because that was a Buddy Dean scene that yeah, was talking yeah, about yeah, before the. Yeah, and you were a Buddy Dean protester. Right? We were. I was yeah, there. Yeah, that's dragged great. away by the police. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I never met somebody that was actually one of them. I knew Marie Cook, who was right. who was in the movie, sort of Penny Pingleton's part. You know, the uh-huh. first girl that ironed her hair, which all the girls were teased here. I thought, oh my god! I remember my father's my mom, yeah. my sister doing that. She would always iron yeah. her hair on the ironing yeah. board. Yeah. That would drive us because she had this beautiful curly hair and she'd be there just ironing it. Right. <laughs> right. That was another. Baltimore has always, even now, I mean, all the black women's hairdos are as extreme as white women's hair was in the 60s That's right. here. And nowhere else is it like that. Piled way It is top. still, this is still the hairdo capital of the world. Beauticians <laughs> find happiness in Baltimore. It's a good place to live if you're a hairdresser, I think. I think it's true. I mean, if you notice in the, in the, in the black community in Baltimore, there are probably. They used to always talk about bars every corner, yeah. but now they're like hair. But see, in the old days, work. it was the opposite in black community. You grew an afro. It was that you didn't go right. to the hairdresser, right. right? And it used to be Baltimore's always been bars and beauty parlors and churches. Conk shops in Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, but those three things, right. beauty parlors, bars, and churches. That's true. Are what the city's all about. And I like that. <laughs> I do, I too. You gotta, I you do know. too. I don't want to live anywhere else. <laughs> you got to drink, get your hair done, and feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> or pray, have a drink. Yeah, and get yeah. Your hair or pray your hair goes higher. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi, in Annapolis, you're on the air. Hi, how are Hi. you? Good. Um, I'm calling because I just got back from Los Angeles, and I was pursuing film there. And uh, I was in my room, 
about a half hour ago, and I was thinking about Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I came out, and my mother said, oh, listen, uh, John Waters is on the radio from Baltimore. And so I thought I would just come right out and ask you if I could audition for your next movie. Well, certainly if you're going to audition for anything. Um, Pat Moran is the casting agent in town that right. does not only my movie, she does almost everything that's here. And um, I certainly think, uh, to be an extra, you certainly can write to her at 1701 Thames Street, as they say here, Thames Street. Thames. Right. See it, see it, well, I sent her a headshot. <laughs> okay, that's how to do it, really. You know, she is the person that does, certainly cast all my movies. And now, I've just finished a movie, so I'm not making one right now. Right. But um, that is the way to do it, certainly. And to, you know, it's hard to get in, especially to get in the unions. Are you in SAG and all that? Yeah, I did that. I got that. I got okay, well, that's, that's good. That makes it a lot easier, right. you know? And then it just depends if they're, you know... She might want to use you, but there's no part that she's looking for, whatever you look like or how old you are. You know, if right. it if it calls for an 80-year-old black woman and you send in a picture that, you know, you're 18, I mean, it's, it's nothing against your acting. Oh, right. It, it is, by definition, discriminatory because right. whatever they're looking for, Unless they have to the find. Unless you can make this tremendous transformation. Right. Well, there's a limit. <laughs> I mean, I know Divine always used to say that. Just let me play every part. Right. Yeah. I'll play every part in the whole movie. Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> there you go. Try that. Yeah. Well, try it. you got to write it for yourself. That's another thing. Um, if, you, if you're not having luck, take it into your own hands. Write a movie for yourself. Right. And get somebody else to direct it. <laughs> there's or, a thought. Or do it yourself. Yeah. Right. Actually, there's a lot of... We've had other filmmakers from town on. Young you folks. Have what? We've had other filmmakers from town who are making their own movies in the city. I yep. mean, there are a lot of people who are doing that. Just go off, and it's that to me is is really the way that young artists, actors, filmmakers, rather than always trying to beat down the door and and, and smash your way through some uh, some directors during New York or Hollywood, just go do your own guerrilla filmmaking. Right, certainly create yeah. your own movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just uh, jump out of the car and film it. You don't have to ask. Right. I mean, uh, we certainly didn't. We got arrested for that, but still, <laughs> it was on the front page of Variety too. It all works out. <laughs> there you go. Right. Good luck, Jeezy. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. 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 Linda in Hamilton, you're on the air. Oh boy, it's so exciting to talk to you. I am so proud of you. Um, I was a child of the '60s in Harford County, who used to hook school and come hang out downtown. Bells Point, Mount Vernon, mm-hmm. and I loved your movies, especially Desperate Living and Female Trouble. Thank you. And um, we were riding around in the mid-70s out in the country, <laughs> and a friend of mine saw this really wretched trailer and said, John Waters is looking for that place. Uh-huh. And I said, that's my grandmother's house. <laughs> 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 well, and she was pretty inconsolable, but I thought it was a riot. That's fine. I mean, my grandmother, I used to I mean some, my grandmother when I was young, the Christmas tree fell over <laughs> on her. And I used that in female toilet. I didn't push it on her like Divine did, but uh, you always use what you, you know, yeah. you twist what's in your past, certainly. Now, I was lucky enough to meet Divine one time in Key West over Halloween. Yeah, he lived but in there, Key West, There were actually, all sorts yeah. of hanger-ons, and, you know, I just said, hi, I'm from Baltimore, love your work. Oh, that's right. He lived in Key West, actually, a lot. He oh, loved okay. it there. It's a nice place. Yeah. So, uh, I just want to say... Well, thank you. Very your, nice uh, for your uh, support over the years. And did your grandmother insider trailer, did it look like... Pretty much so, yeah. She had leopard yeah. and stuff? Yeah, it was, it was wild. Really? Yeah. And you didn't burn it down, though. No, no, <laughs> okay. no. Okay. No. <laughs> I was going to see how far you went with it. Right. No, unfortunately, she sold it to developers, and they just kind of 
Yeah, ruined. Away. Well, the real place where Pink Flamingos was shot as a housing development. That's there. right. I mean, yeah. the, the people don't know that live in that house that underneath, <laughs> buried <laughs> deeply, are the demons from Pink Flamingos. <laughs> and one reviewer wrote this great, great story when Pink Flamingos was released saying, maybe there's a kid who lives in that suburban house who feels weird about himself, but he can feel through the ground something good coming him up, telling him, you can be different. It was really one of my favorite articles ever. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> All right. Take care. Okay, thanks. Thank Bye-bye. you, Andy. Thanks for joining us. We don't have much time left. I guess we can't uh, sweep, sneak, sweep, sweep, sneak another caller in here. I guess we're out. The phone's been jammed. Of course, they have been since you've been on the show. This has been great to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed this a great okay. deal. The book is Director's Cut by John Waters. It's a great deal of fun. I just, uh, and just, you just, John, thanks a lot. Thank you. It's good to have you here. That was my conversation with filmmaker John Waters from 1998. Remember, you can meet John Waters tomorrow when he'll be signing his latest book, Make Trouble, at the Barnes & Noble Johns Hopkins Bookstore at 3300 St. Paul Street at 7 o'clock.